0: You can open your Bibles with me to Psalm 111. I remember sitting across the table from a missionary that our church supported at the time, this was a missionary uh, who served overseas uh, among uh, those within the, the Muslim community, and he worked directly with those who had um, sort of been on, on the receiving end of opposition and persecution from um, more extreme uh, Muslims and uh, just the hostility of their own attitudes towards of those that he had worked with. And this, this brother said, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, I've, I've been angry. Angry to see the spread of false religion and angry uh, at the attacks of Muslims against Christians. I've been a little ticked off at God. And i always remember that because I think it put words to what... I will often feel, but maybe am hesitant to say, um, God, this doesn't sit well with me. What, what are you doing? I don't understand this. Why are you letting this happen? Um, now, I, I know the answer. Um, at least, up here, I know the answer. I know God is sovereign. I can recite Romans 28 for you. But my heart is sad, and if I'm honest, my You know, I can be more angry than I am sad Um, because of just how much... I mean, we are inundated with with bad news a lot of the time. Whether it's, you know, a natural disaster or a tragedy, family or community, just wickedness, abuse, my siblings, parents, teachers, governments, uh, hostility, dysfunction... That's around us, I and mean, that's just being streamed in twenty four seven. And then any encouragement we might take from the church, we see the church is kind of messed up and broken too. The church is hurting. And then if that's not discouraging enough, then we feel sort of guilty for being mad and angry. Well, if, I'm a, if I'm a sincere Christian, if I'm honest, I should feel this way. Maybe you've been. Maybe you're there right now. God knows, God knows what it is we're feeling. He knows what we would like to say, even it's it's very difficult for us to say. So He's given us a collection of songs and poems that span the whole range of our emotions. This is what we have in the Psalms. The Psalms not only affirm our emotions, but at the same time they are directing and steering those emotions along a uh, a proper course. Is what I am feeling or experiencing, whether that's anger, sadness, joy, gratitude, is that consistent with the life of the godly? Being counted among God's people. So there are two psalms here that I want us to look at this morning. I think really speak to our, I mean, speak to feelings of anger and discouragement, whether that's over all the news that we're hearing or just unpredictable things in our life. Our emotions can't actually be trained to respond uh, when when we're faced with with bad news. So I'm going to read Psalm 111. There's a few verses uh, from Psalm 112 as we look at these together. The psalmist says, Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation." Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. and All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. And in Psalm 112, Praise the Lord. Blesses the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Then down to verse 7. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. This is God's living and enduring word. Would you pray with me? Lord, we do praise your great name. And we do thank you for this word that you've given to us. It's our desire that... The words that we have just read describe us more than what it is they do most of the time. That your great works and your righteous character will be made known and reflected more and more in us as your people. Lord, we ask you to teach us now, to shape us uh, with this song. Make us attentively pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if I had a projector screen, I would, I would show these these psalms, or at least put them up in front of you. You can see that in the Hebrew language. Uh, each line begins with um, another letter in the Hebrew alphabet. So both of these um, psalms are, are acrostics grouped together, and part of a collection there, Psalm 111 through 113, called the Hallel Psalms. You hear hallelujah, praise the Lord, and then 111 and 112 a very similar uh, subject matter. And so we hear that the Lord's righteousness endures forever, uh, that he is gracious and merciful in Psalm 111, and then that leads into uh, the righteousness of those who are the Lord's. They too are gracious and merciful. And so the works of God lead into and are reflected by uh, the works of of the godly. That's how we're going to approach these two songs. The works of God in 111 and the works of the godly in Psalm 112. If we are to give thanks with our whole heart, what are we to be thankful for? It has to be something that's, that's pretty big if it's going to demand our whole hearts. And we're told right away there in verse 2 that it is the works of God, the deeds of our God. They are great and glorious. They are memorable. They are trustworthy. And I want us to, to really consider all those aspects as we look at um, the works of our God and the works of the godly. Um, we used to have a book. Our kids have used it throughout the years. Um, David McCullough, The Way Things Work. Maybe you're familiar with this book. And it uh, usually there's a two page spread to describe the way things that we take for granted work. It could be a pulley, a lever, a, a you know, spring, or something like that, all the way to you know hang gliding or uh, radio waves or something like that. Um, I can remember you know as a kid I didn't have all that much appreciation for this book because I learned things by you know throwing them or sliding them down the stairs or. Um, you know, taking the magnifying glass and you know, making that light really small, don't do that on your hand because you learn quickly what happens. But I think I had more appreciation now for that book because I made more of an interest in the details of how these things uh, work. And uh, I think both, both those experiences, the experiences of a sort of childlike curiosity and wonder, as well as an interest in the details, they're captured in this song. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them, studied, discuss, uh, contemplated. And we find that the more we study the handiwork of God and all that He has made, the more magnificent, the more inspiring that work becomes. Some of you watched the, the truth project that Del Tackett put together uh, many years ago, and he he shares in one of these sessions about how. How our blood actually coagulates when we get a scratch or a cut. And just how amazing it is that we don't bleed to death every time we get a scratch. (laughs) Or if you look at the human eyeball and its complexity, and how it enables us to see, or the the little flagellum motor that's at at the tiniest cell, It's, it's irreducibly complex. So that you know, there's the there's the microscopic, now look macro, now look big. You know, stand in and stare at the, at the heavens on a clear night. That night was pretty crisp and clear. And then do that with somebody who knows astronomy really well. It'll blow your mind. Commentator uh, Derek Kinner, he said, The works of God repay research. The works of God repay Research. So, for the company of, of the upright, the psalmist said, this is childlike wonder never leaves us. I think for the hardened of heart, more research causes more frustration because more has to be ignored or tried, explained away. But the upright can ponder the works of God, can delight in them. Even if we do want to you know, get to the bottom of how things are. Are made as fun as that is um, moves us to a deeper worship. So is that true of you? How much how much effort do you spend studying and meditating on the works of God? I just think, there is absolutely no shortage of beauty uh, in God's world around us. Look for it, ponder it, share it. Family was at Devil's State Park earlier uh, last week, and although the weather wasn't overly cooperative, um, the trail was beautiful. To see that that diversity of of the trail and of that landscape, uh, as we as we ponder this, we ponder that the beauty and the, uh, the complexity of what God has made it shapes our emotions, how we are to respond to. Calamity that seems so so dominant around us. I always remember Kathy Nelson was, was her name, Dear Sister in the Lord. And she would send me a text message uh, every now and then just describing the, the beauty of the sunrise, like the colors in the sunrise, or how the sun was reflecting off of the wind turbine. And then she'd send this at some ridiculously early hour because that's when she was going to work. And something I would probably not think of as I was walking, you know, from house to, to my office, but she reminded me, hey, hey, pay attention. There's great beauty here. Enjoy it. Thank God for it. You need those reminders. And so the word works here, it's used, it's used in half of the verses that we read in Psalm 111. These works, they can refer to God's God's hand in creation, but also his hand of redemption, his providential uh, acts, uh, God has caused all things, all these works to be uh, remembered, uh, it says there in verse uh, 4. He lays out then some of these um, key events in redemptive history in verses 5 through 9. He provides food for those who fear him. So, recalling the, the exodus from Egypt, wandering in the wilderness. He's shown the power of his works and giving them the inheritance of the nations, verse 6. Now remembering the conquest of the land of Canaan. And finally, he sent redemption to his people, in verse 9. He provides the judges and kings to restore, to restore order to the people, to restore the land. And as we read of his, you know, of this work now, we know that he has provided Redemption. He has provided the King of Kings. So, from the exodus out of Egypt, settling into the promised land, exodus from our our sin, the eternal inheritance that we have in Christ. This is the work of God, it's to be remembered. In Exodus 15, Moses leads the people in song after crossing the Red Sea, and this is what we read in Exodus 15. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Brothers and sisters, the Redeemer of old is our Redeemer still. Holy, awesome is His name. And if your life has been rescued by the Lord God, if you've been transformed By the work of his hands. And that's not something you're likely to forget. It will change you. It must change you. You're more likely to to share what it is God has done. God's works have been handed down. They're they're remembered uh, through his people. What are our children, what are our grandchildren remembering? Will they marvel at the work of God in redeeming you? work of God in their parents or their grandparents, will they, will they see themselves in this story, in the works of, of God on their behalf? Let's not forget the works of God have become lazy in exercising our memories in all that God has done. You know, in a few minutes we're going to go to the table here together where God causes his wonders to be remembered. He did this through the Passover meal in the Old Testament. He does this through the New Covenant meal in the Lord Jesus. So begin to see how important a song like this, or even this meal of remembrance, is in shaping our emotions. If the works of God are continually before us, then we are more more likely to be thankful, to delight. Uh, rather than uh, to despair in the face of bad news and uncertainty. Doesn't mean we won't despair. Doesn't mean we won't get frustrated or angry at times. But it does mean that the very existence of God's word and works has power to shape us. They're memorable. God's works are trustworthy. Look again at verse uh, 7 there. The works of His hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They're established forever and ever. So the the, the word of God, the works of God, they go hand in hand. They're inseparable. What the Lord says, he will do. When he makes covenant with his people, that covenant will endure. We see the endurance of his uh, promises in the Old Testament Israel over and over again the sealing of this covenant in the Lord Jesus. In Christ, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God, nothing that can sever that covenant love. So the Lord can be trusted. So let me ask you, what has a greater hold on your heart? Uh, The bad news, the discouraging words that's being live streamed all the time? Or the enduring word of God. You and I are part of an enduring covenant that cannot change because He is faithful. And faithfulness, that's just one, one term that's used. I mean, look at all the, the words that are used in these two songs to describe uh, the character of God and His works. He's great, glorious, majestic. Righteous, gracious, and compassionate, faithful and just, trustworthy, steadfast, upright, holy, awesome. So, when your life takes a drastic change or you're faced with the uncertainty, you're faced with some bad news, you're trying to do damage control over what it is you've just heard, immerse yourself in the character and the works of God. His works are great, they are memorable. They are trustworthy. I'm seeing how we can apply this specifically, specifically with interacting with the news, um, the mostly bad news. I mean, most of us are, you know, it's either through the TV or through the radio or through our, our phones or even hearsay. Um, I mean, that information is constant, but it doesn't necessarily make that information important. I mean, the media, I think what the media does. They exaggerate disaster, scandal, controversy, tragedy. All those things sell. So people, that's what gets people's attention, lures them in. So what gets people talking. So when we, when we elevate these things in our minds, and we have a tendency to, to make them more important than what they really are, at least in the, in the big picture, News often doesn't tell us what the what the trends are, what may be improving. It just tells us what's bad right now, somewhere. So we gave this this understanding of reality, and all we're getting is is the latest soundbite, and that just keeps cycling, right? Yesterday's news is gone, and tomorrow, you know, something else is going to grab our attention. And again, I don't think this is true of all news sources. We have commentaries and. and documentaries and, and so forth, but most of what we take in every day will not do much to to shape our emotions positively or in an encouraging way. So take inventory for a moment. How you know what is the percentage of news you take in compared to all well, the time you spend in God's Word or in you know another book or pondering the beauty of God's works. I think most of us would benefit a great deal. We would be happier and wiser. You know, we turn off the TV, we put away our phones, close the laptop, and immerse ourselves in the word and works of God. So the works of God, Psalm 111, moves us to the works of the godly. Uh, the upright, in 111 verse 1, is the same man who fears the Lord and delights in his commands, in 112 verse 1. See, the, the works of the godly, blessing, compassion, generosity, trust, and endurance. The character of the godly, the one who fears the Lord, it brings benefit. It brings benefit to himself, to others. It brings honor, offspring, riches. These are all, all characteristic terms in the Old Testament to describe the blessings of the godly. Now let's keep in mind this is a wisdom psalm, so it's a general truth that will bring honor, okay, wealth, and all that's wrapped up in, in that term, uh, blessing to one's descendants, verses 2 and 3 there. But godliness has its rewards. Uh, this is where I think Christians, particularly in the West, now moving to Africa and South America, uh, this is where we sort of jump on the bus and then steer it right off, you know, right off the road because it's not a prosperity message. Well, I have material wealth and riches, therefore I must be following the heart of God. Or I don't have wealth and riches. Again, how, you know, we define those things. Or I don't have descendants, or my descendants are really messed up, and I must have done something wrong. Those may be you know, reasons to take a close look at your life. But that thinking misses the point of... Wisdom literature like this. The point is that God will bless and provide abundantly for His people because of who He is. So, when people like you and like me, by faith in Christ, when we, when we live in obedience under these covenant obligations, the wisdom of God says it will go well with you. May not turn out the way you expect, it may not relieve all of the pain or the adversity. There's blessing, blessing and obedience to the Lord. And the psalm really, really brings out blessing while at the same time acknowledging the adversity. It doesn't sugarcoat it. There's going to be times of darkness. There's going to be times of bad news. But the one who's being conformed, conformed by the character of God, that that one will endure, will be blessed amid the bad news. To the upright, one fierce, fears the Lord, compassionate and generous. His generosity endures. Kind of getting in that time of year. again. some of you have helped with Operation Christmas Child, filling those shoe boxes over the years. I think we still have some of those shoe boxes buried in the recesses of the church. Um, we've helped as a family um, over the years doing that. But when you're when you're generous and giving your your time and and, and using something like that, Lord. Lord use that to bless you know, these children, to bless families. That's where really the beauty of the beauty of kingdom economics, okay? even the smallest work of compassion, the smallest service, generosity God will use to change lives beyond what we could ever imagine. I think this song really hones in on just the practical generosity. Of the God, and because of the practical generosity of God, if our Father is so generous with us, how can we not be generous as well? well there's one line I really appreciate this: considering a heart of generosity, but uh, we're not to think less of ourselves, but to think of ourselves less. We're not to think less of ourselves, but to think of ourselves less. I think we'll find this, and I, you know, in your conversations, I'd like to learn more of what you think of this, but when we think about ourselves less, when the unexpected happens, when the bad news hits, we're more able to channel that in service. To turn that over to God. Now, I know it's not as simple as that. Hearts of generosity, I believe this is true, hearts of generosity, hearts of compassion have a greater staying power. They have a greater resiliency in the face of fear and bad news. I think it's all part of our spiritual maturity, that solid food that we talked about last week in Hebrews. Sometimes the psalm seems to oscillate a little bit between the ideal life and the real life of the godly. There's going to be fear, there's going to be bad news. That should be no surprise to us by now. We're not immune to this, but the heart of the godly is firm and steady, trusting in the Lord. If you've ever been on horseback, on horseback riding, and the horse is spooked or agitated or something, you may say something like, whoa, whoa, you know, steady, steady. In uncertainty, in distress, the heart of the godly is doing that, saying steady, steady, because he trusts in the Lord. There's, there's a dependence in the character, um, the character of God, even in the midst of discouragement. Now, James chapter 1, the Apostle says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. So a steady heart is bound to... It's bound to Christ, the one who persevered, the one who has triumphed. And we could think after reading something in Psalm 112 that you say, well, I'm I'm not that righteous, I'm not this godly one that the psalm is talking about, or I'm not so generous as I would like to be. My heart isn't steady when I'm faced with bad news. Well, let me ask you this question. Who do you know that is perfectly righteous? Who do you know that is perfectly generous, perfectly trusting? Who do you know that has been exalted in honor forever? There's only one answer to that question. And that's Jesus. If by faith you have submitted your life to Christ, then you're bound to him. His righteousness, His generosity, His trusting heart is yours before the Father. That's the beauty of our union with Jesus. So we can only trust, really trust, in the midst of bad news. Only really endure because of our union with Christ. So the stuff that makes us angry, the discouragement, that's that's temporary. That's not going to last. Uh, and it doesn't have you know, doesn't have the last say. It's not the end of, uh, of the story. And that's how the psalm ends: the wicked, the acts of the wicked, will be reversed; they will perish. But united to Jesus, we have that full victory—victory over sin, victory over death. And there is there's nothing that you're going to see, hear, or experience that will change that. Steadfast hearts. And that's not just a desire for our own hearts. It is the steadfast heart of God that keeps us, that allows us to uh, endure. Uh, So may may that be something that we're singing to ourselves, uh, singing to one another, in the face of discouragement and frustration, uh, that we have a God who is faithful. And by meditating on His Word and on His works, he will shape us and he will uh, enable us uh, to endure. Let's pray together. Lord God, we do thank you for this word, this song that shapes our hearts and our minds in the Lord Jesus, the one whose heart is so steadfast. And we thank you that you have bound us to Christ, the union that we share with Jesus. Lord, you assure us of this as we hear from your word, as we go to your table now. Work this truth deeper into our hearts and minds. We might contemplate your goodness, your faithfulness, the beauty of all that you have made, the beauty of who you are as our God. Feed us now we pray, in Jesus' name.